All right. Okay, I'll, give a little, go. I'll give a little quick one here. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, we've got your very own Chris Kelly, president and CEO of Abby Halliday, family of companies on here, and Tim Wilson has joined us today as well, the president and CEO of Prosperity Home Mortgage. So we've got giant brain power at the helm here, and they're going to share some uh, some great stuff with you. We, we already gave them a few questions that have been sent in, so uh, I think they're going to start with those. And then if you all have specific questions that you'd like us to touch on, if you wouldn't mind just putting them here in the in the chat box, and Becky and myself will start a running list. And then Becky, if you want to, I don't care if you want to ask them or I can ask them to the guys either way. All right. We'll figure Sounds it out. Sounds good. Thanks for the intro, Alex. Okay. There's at least there's at least one brain here, and that that would certainly be Tim on this. Yeah, call. not me. Uh, yeah, well, as Alex mentioned, Tim, thanks for taking some time to join us. We, we do a, a show here locally called Market Shapers, where we interview agents and others that are kind of making a difference in the market. And so we've kind of transitioned to Market Shapers Live. And so uh, that's kind of what we're bringing in this ad. And so thanks for the time to be here with us. And I, I know right now, as we're seeing increased buyer interest, especially in our market, right before we started recording, I mentioned to you that our showings are up 70% since the 1st of April, but obviously, one of the things our agents are wanting to do when they start working with these buyers is, you know, what's changed since the pandemic as far as educating a buyer, as far as going through the pre-approval process or getting a loan. So why don't we start there? Like uh, if, if I had a buyer reach out to me today, and I know this may break down by segment, and we'll get into that. Uh, but what are some of the things as an agent right now I should be prepared for as far as helping a buyer navigate the lending and mortgage process and, and, and the environment oh, I should be? Okay, I, I would say a couple of things. I mean, the, the when COVID-19 hit and then the CARES Act was dropped by Congress, it, it had some unintended consequences for mortgage. So the credit box tightened up uh, due to that. But if what I would tell everybody on the phone is for every year ago, we can do 90 today. So it really just tightened up around the edges. And, and the overwhelming majority of loans that were done a year ago are getting done today. And in fact, that 90% is growing uh, as we speak. So you're going to see the credit box widen again because the, the liquidity risk uh, has lessened dramatically in the marketplace. And that, that's primarily because they limited the amount of exposure to servicers. And, and servicers were the ones that had, had forced the tightening of the credit box. Uh, the other thing I would say is the, you know, our, our main goal is to keep our employees safe and get your clients safely to the closing table and, and, and uh, adjust to all the state rules and social distancing. And I think we have done that very successfully. So if you look at prosperity in, in March and April, those were the two biggest months we ever had. Uh, May is shaping up to be another month like that. We're going to, we're going to lock over a billion three in, in loans and we're going to, we're going to close over a billion. So we, you know, with last year or, or prior, any prior year, we never funded a billion dollars worth of loans. Now we've funded over a billion dollars the last two months and we're going to fund over a billion dollars again this month. So we had never done that in the history of the company. So I, I would tell you prosperity didn't just ultimately adjust. We adjusted very quickly. When we built the company, we built it to be remote. Uh, everybody had laptops and iPhones and those are all company issued. Uh, and it was primarily around weather events. I mean, we, we were, we started on the East coast and there were a lot of hurricanes and, and snow and, 
and we did not want to be shut down due to weather. And so we, we built the company from day one to be remote. And so when that when we were forced into that, it, it really wasn't a big deal for us. And we've worked very closely with our title partners to make sure we can we can get the customer all the way to closing with very little physical interaction at all. Uh, so I think that has gone very well. And, and many companies have, have done pretty well on that, but I don't think any of them ha have done as well as Prosperity did. And, and again, a lot of that is working closely with our title partners. Yeah, and, and so let's, and one thing I want to really kind of point out is that I know, you know, we certainly have seen, a, even before the pandemic, there was a kind of a surge in refi business, but Prosperity, and while we're happy to take care of our, our agents and, and their clients that want to do a refinance at this time, our, our mortgage company has, has been built to be a purchase money mortgage company. Yeah. And so maybe just talk about, you know, why they, if, if you're working with some other lenders right now, you might even experience some delays as there's been a real heavy refi focus, but how the, we always kind of prioritize that purchase money business. Yeah, I, I, that's a great point, Chris. And in fact, there are some lenders out there that are really handicapped right now, both with, with uh, warehouse line uh, limitations, as well as they're buried in refi business. And refi business, frankly, is easier because you don't have, you don't have agents involved. We love our agents, by the way, but it, they don't have agents. They don't have contracts. They, they uh, you know, it's, you don't really have to focus to the degree on customer service as you do when you have a purchase contract. You have to meet a deadline. On a refinance, you don't. So, uh, and, and the margins are typically wider on a refinance. So clearly our competitors have gravitated to what I would consider the easy money, which is refinance. We're currently at 70% purchase, which is historically low for us. We're normally at 90%. And, and here's what I would tell you, the, the refinances that we do are, are really previous customers that you've sent us. And, and what I, what I, the, the reason for refinance is it allows people to go in at a lower rate uh, creates better cash flow for them and really I think sets them up much better in the future to go out and purchase a new home. So although we focus on purchases, I, I don't want to underestimate the opportunity we have in helping your customer increase, improve their cash flow uh, and, and get a better rate because I think that sets them up very well for the future to purchase a new home. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's not that we can't service them, but I just it's important as we are working with buyers right now, especially like in a constrained market where inventory is low, yeah, to be able to work with and hit those, hit those contract deadlines that come with a, with a purchase. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's throughout, throughout COVID, Chris, I would say we've, you know, we've missed fewer than a handful of, of uh, closing dates. And, and, you know, that and one thing that has changed, going back to kind of your first question is, we are doing a verification of employment the day before close. And, and the whole industry has gone to that due, due to the, the exceedingly high unemployment rates. Uh, and, and the reason for that is, but if you close a loan and then sell to an investor and they lose their job in between then, you own that loan. So every, every lender out there is doing that 24 hour VOE. We've, it's gone very well for us. It ha we haven't missed closings because of it. And, and that is one, minor difference you would see. Yeah, and I know that was something that initially caused some concern for us, just you know how that process would work, but they ended up issuing some guidelines that relaxed on how we could do that. An email from the supervisor of the employee sufficed, yeah. and, and so that has kind of worked out over the last several weeks. Yeah, correct. Yeah. 
Um, let's get on the market a little bit by segment. Obviously, you know, we're always working with buyers and listings that are in different price points. So maybe break down the, um, you know, the, the types of loans that would typically fall in the FHA categories versus jumbo. And, and what are some of the differences right now in the mortgage market on different price points? Well, so I, the, the main thing that happened with the CARES Act and COVID-19 is the government became the ultimate backstop. I mean, they, they are insuring every loan out there today. And, and so anything non-government, and let's start with jumbo. I mean, jumbo is a portfolio product typically put on portfolio by either big banks or, or real estate investment trusts. So the jump, the, the place where things tightened was at the low end based on credit score and the high end based on a non-government loan. Uh, although they're still out there. I mean, what we're still doing, I, I noticed yesterday 20% of our loans were jumbo. So we're still doing them and we've got more, plenty of investors that will buy jumbo product, but it, it is, it, it is not as robust as it was, say, two months ago. On the low end, it was a flight to quality, and, and uh, that the investors are saying if you have a credit score less than 660, you have a higher percentage of being going into forbearance. And a month ago, that was a huge issue, because if it went into forbearance a month ago, we owned the loan. Any investor that had it before they could sell the loan, own the loan. And, and now that's been taken off the table. So you're going to see credit scores start to uh, widen out. And, and, and in that sense, I mean going lower. In fact, I've got a proposal today. We're at 660. We're going to go down to 640. And, and primarily, that's in the FHA space. And you know the, the challenge with FHA is that also includes USDA and, and VA, which is a market we've been incredibly strong in. So uh, I, I've got a proposal to lower our credit scores to 640, and I think you'll see them get down into the 620 range in, in the not too distant future. But I don't think you'll see them go into that 580 number uh, in the near future. I mean, that, they'll come back at some point, but I, that's not going to happen immediately. Yeah, and you mentioned forbearance, and, and I think just so for those listening, the, what, what we're talking about there is that um, I go to my lender and I with the CARES Act, again, one of those unintended consequences was kind of this blanket ability to go ahead and, and just, you know, go to your lender and put your payments essentially into a, a forbearance period where you weren't making those payments, um, which obviously caused kind of a liquidity crunch or a scare, at least for some of the lenders. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and now that has been more, uh, more well-defined and, and the feds have come out and capped the liability to the servicer and the lender. And that's why you're starting to see things open up a little bit. Uh, the, the, the last question the feds haven't answered, and I talked to a, a senior executive at Fannie Mae just yesterday, and, and it's, I, I think we'll see it in the next week. Uh, you know, the question remains, if, if I'm a buyer that I've got a home and I ask for forbearance and I want to go buy a home six months from now, can I get a new loan? And that guidance has not been given yet by, by the by FHA, FHFA, Fannie and Freddie. And, and I expect to see that in the next week. And what I expect to see is that uh, because it, uh, by definition in the CARES Act, it cannot hurt your credit score. Therefore, from my perspective, it should not be considered a delinquent loan. But today, I mean, prior to the CARES Act, a forbearance was in fact classified as a distressed or delinquent loan. So the reason it's taken them so long to come out and, and address that is because they've got to do a, a pre-CARES Act forbearance definition and a post-CARES Act forbearance definition. So it's somewhat complicated, but I, I would be very disappointed 
if on one hand they encouraged a borrower to go out and take forbearance without needing any requirement, without having to meet any requirement. And then on the next, on the other hand, they said, but you can't go get a new loan. So I don't expect to see that. I, I think they're going to come out with a CARES Act forbearance uh, looking like uh, you, you've never missed a payment. And that's what it should be. Otherwise, to me, it, it, it kind of looks like a bait and switch. Yeah, and that's great to know, I think, for all of us, because I, I assume we will be working with clients that fall into that category that did do a temporary forbearance. And you're right, they were encouraged to do it. It shouldn't count as a strike for them if they come current and are otherwise financially in a position to move forward with, with purchasing another home. Yeah, and that's um, what I expect to see. Now, now, one thing I did, one piece of information I did get from FHFA yesterday was uh, if they're in forbearance, that it, it's a surprising high number of people that, that accepted forbearance but continue to make their payment. So in that scenario, if you've got somebody in forbearance, but they, they've never taken it, they've never used it, and so they continue to make their payment, uh, and, and forbearance does show up as a tag on their credit score. It doesn't hurt their credit score, but it shows up. We as a lender can originate that loan. That I did confirm yesterday. Yeah. What about, you know, on kind of a somewhat related topic of what we're seeing here, obviously with unemployment hitting, you know, just really high levels and certainly most of the economists project that a lot of this unemployment is certainly in a very temporary time, you know, this is temporary. What about for borrowers that were furloughed for a short period of time, but then get rehired. But when you look back, it looks like they have a 60 to 90 day unemployment, you know, part of it. How, how will that be viewed as far as, you know, determining loan eligibility? That's another question that you have to be answered. That there's been no guidance to either servicers or lenders on that. Uh, I would tell you, Fannie Mae, that the, the topic we just discussed, which is if they're in forbearance, can they get a new loan? That's number one on their list. And the one you just mentioned is number two. So I, that they tell me to expect guidance on those within the next week. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, then everyone listening in, we'll, as soon as we know that through Prosperity, we will, uh, us and, and all of our Prosperity Mortgage Consultants will get that out to you as well. Yeah, and I got somebody from Fannie Mae that gives me a heads up before it hits the public. So we will know. I'll get it out to you guys before anybody else knows. We're, we're absolutely okay with inside information here. All right, got it. All good. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's put on, let's get out the crystal ball a little bit. And just, you mentioned a little bit about where credit scores were going. Uh, what are some other things that you kind of foresee probably happening over the course of the summer, you know, 30, 60, 90 days within the mortgage and lending markets? Well, so I would say don't buy stock based on my opinions, but, but I, I can tell you this is a playbook that, that was there in 08 and 09. I think this is, uh, although it happened for different reasons, it looked very much like 08, 09, only I would say better in how the Fed reacted. So, you know, if you go back to what happened in 08, 09 through 11 or 12 was some of the best years the mortgage business ever had, ever had because the feds drove rates to historic lows. That's going to happen again. I mean, and again, you know, don't, don't hold me to this. I know this is recorded, but here's what I would expect. If, we, if you have a V-shaped recovery, I expect us to have historic lows while we come out of it. If you have more of a U-shaped recovery, meaning it's going to take more time, and I do believe most people expect that, and I do to some sense. I think it's going to come back, but it's not going to happen overnight. I, I, I would expect the feds to drive rates below three. 
So I think you'll see rates in, in the twos. You know, they're, they're, I read multiple articles even today about negative interest rates. So I don't think that's completely off the table. It would be really weird. Uh, so I don't believe it'll get to that point because there's still a lot of room between zero and three. But I, you're going to see rates. I mean, today they're at historic lows. You're going to see historic lows month after month if it takes longer to get out of this. I mean, they're, they're going to keep housing propped up no matter what they do. And I'm hearing that directly from Mnuchin's task force. Uh, they are absolutely committed to that. And, and they tell me they have more than enough ammunition to make that happen. I mean, they, they're gonna print money to buy mortgage-backed securities and 10-year treasuries to drive rates at all-time lows. Yeah, you know, really it was that last recession. We, we looked here locally at North Texas and we looked at every recession we've gone through since 1970. And um, we, we only had housing prices decline um, in one time. And that was obviously the, you know, the great recession of, you know, from 2007 to 10. Um, you know, other than that, housing has always led the way. I mean, it's always been kind of the leading industry coming out of a recession. So it sounds like what you're saying is we really shouldn't anticipate anything different that we were strong going into this, you know, kind yeah. of health economic crisis. And we really probably will be the, the, the steam engine that drives a lot of the economy out of it. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I, I you know, I was, of course, active in this business in 08, 09. And, and I, the, the feds learned a lot from that environment. I mean, they came out with mod and heart products that were very complicated. You couldn't buy them out of securities. It made it really hard on the customer. And it led to housing price declines. They were smart this time. I mean, if you look at the forbearance product, that, that's going to keep customers whole. And, and allow them to start fast. You know, they're, they're not gonna have a big credit hit. So that, that they did that because of what happened in 08 and how long it took housing to come back. And, and they're hell bent on getting housing back in a hurry. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're actually in a much better place from a house. about housing value declines. Uh, you know, I, I think if that, to COVID. And that was not the case in 08-09. It was already starting to soften around the edges. Uh, the, the inventory constraints weren't near what they are today. So I think there's just kind of demand. I mean, you know, you focus on 20% of Hey, Alex, I'm not sure if it's just me having some audio yeah. to No, it's, it's everybody. Tim, I'm, I'm not sure. We, we didn't get that last part there. I think you're having some connection issues. Well, while we, while we're waiting on, on Tim, Alex, why don't you hop in here a little bit and just talk maybe from a local level. Um, you know, Tim's talked really great about from, from the national hey, perspective. Kind of talk about how the... Hey, Becky. There he is. There we go. Okay, great. Tim, we got you. Okay. Yeah, am I back? 
Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I just mentioned to Alex here for a second was uh, curious as you look at it, obviously we look at it from a national perspective too, but but as you kind of look regionally based, like where we in North Texas would kind of lie and stuff, you know, what are, what are you seeing from, from, you know, lending numbers, mortgage numbers, things like that from, from kind of the local level here in Texas and maybe the Midwest in general versus. I, well, I, I think the Midwest is kind of leading the pack right now. I think the shutdowns in the Midwest and the heartland of the company uh, or the country were, were not near as severe. The coast really got hit hard. I mean, they had hard, really hard shutdowns. They had more cases. And the Midwest has actually stayed surprisingly strong to me. And so that's been a big boom for prosperity as well as home services. And, and I think they're coming out faster as well. And, and so, you know, and it, you, you could chalk it up to all kinds of things, but you know, you, it, if you've ever been to New York city, you can understand why it became a much bigger issue there than the suburbs of, of Houston or Dallas or, or something like that. So seems to make sense to me, but I, I think the Midwest is in a very good place. Yeah, you know, and one of the things I wanted to make sure we touched on just because, you know, uh, here locally as we went through our acquisition and becoming part of Home Services in Berkshire Hathaway and then um, having our, our own mortgage company convert to prosperity, um, you know, some of our folks listening may not be fully familiar with, you know, how large our mortgage operation is and why, you know, you've kind of mentioned a few times on this call that you've had, you've talked to a senior executive, Annie, you've got access to, you know, people on Mnuchin's team. And so just talk about the size and scope of what prosperity is from national scale and, and the, the stability that brings when you are referring as an agent, referring a client to prosperity. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we're a high quality, uh, very liquid, uh, have made profits year after year for decades, uh, purchase lender. And, and so everybody wants that business. I mean, the, the mortgage insurance companies want that business. Fannie Freddie wants that business. And because we're in DC, we're in a number of test programs. Any test program that rolls out with Fannie Freddie, they come to us first because we've got great technology people. Uh, we give them the data that they're looking for. And, and so, you know, we're just where we're at and our size and the fact that our, our referral source, our 50,000 real estate agents, everybody wants to do business with us. So we couldn't be in a better position from that perspective. And, yeah. it's, and, and by the way, it's high, it's high quality purchase as well, Chris. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, and obviously we're very proud of our uh, prosperity mortgage consultants here locally. So just kind of maybe talk about uh, uh, as, as they've joined the prosperity team over the last 18 months, um, just to kind of share with our agents here that are listening in um, the kind of prosperity team they have locally here with from, from Alex and Catherine and Tom's leadership all the way down to all of our great mortgage consultants. Yeah, I would say great team, you know, and, and I and I found that with HSL across the country, but certainly within Texas and, and uh, you know, when they took on the, the Abbey acquisition and picked up TLP and, you know, I, I we couldn't be happier with, with the folks that became part of Prosperity. I mean, Alex and Tom and and that, that whole team and, you know, it's you got some of the best reps in the country, you know, Tammy Mitchell and and others are just, you know, they're phenomenal. I mean, several of them were at our President's Club. With, which are the best of the best in our company. And, you know, the, the thing I'm uh, excited about with Texas is we got a lot of room to run. I mean, you, you market shares improved dramatically uh, over the past year, but we've got, we, we're gonna, we got a long ways to go and, and you got the right team to get there. I mean, that, that, that team's as, as good as it gets. You know, we're, we're at Long and Foster has 
11,000 agents and we're at 30% market share. And, and that's where we're going to be in Texas and, or higher. And so we've got a lot of room to run. I, I think for the agents on the call that have used us, I want to thank you for your business. And, and for those that haven't, I, I want, we, we want to give you the opportunity to impress. So give us a shot. Let us impress you. You know, we built the company to make agents look great. And, and I think nobody's better at it than us. Yeah. So as we, as we kind of wrap thing up and then kind of move to any questions that have come in for uh, that Alex or Becky can read out to us, um, you know, maybe just talk about, so I, again, I'm starting with a, to work with a buyer today. What are some of the things that I should be kind of prepping them for and, and getting them in contact with one of our mortgage consultants? You know, to me that today, you know, if it were six months ago, it would be who has the best rate is what a lot of borrowers want to know. I think today it's more about one-stop shopping, who can get me safely to the closing table without multiple interactions with different companies. And, and I used an example, if you were going to go to the grocery store six months ago, you might go and buy meat at one place and vegetables at another and use coupons and, and you might go to two or three in a day. Today, you're not going to do that. You're going to go to one grocery store. And, and you know, surveys are out there that customers want one-stop shopping and, and that's always been the case, but I can assure you today it is more so than, than ever. And, and I think what our agents should have confidence in is that we're going to meet the requirements of social distancing, that we are going to get their clients safely to the closing table with a very competitive rate. Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about that here locally, just kind of being one door to everything that you need. And we've used the analogy, use the grocery store, we use the analogy sometimes of buying a car. You know, if you imagine you had to go buy a car, get the tires over here and the body over here and the engine over here yeah. and all these disconnected companies would come together and put it together. Right. You know, so um, I, I think it makes more sense now than ever. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention, it's kind of forward looking a little bit. Um, you talked about how well you work with our title company. So here we have Texas Premier Title and HSTX Title. And we've recently started rolling out our ROM closings for the sellers and cash buyers. You know, where do you think it's heading on, on buyers as far as, you know, that, that ability for buyers to close um, in either online or a hybrid model that you've talked about as well? I think it'd be good for our folks to kind of hear what might be coming down the road at some point. Yeah, so, so we have built the hybrid model. When, when COVID hit, we, st we put a project team together and built it out in 30 days. It's, it's uh, we rolled it out in the dining and, and a number of places across the country. It's getting ready to roll out everywhere. And, and it, you know, it essentially gets all of the documents down to five wet sign docs. And, and so it takes a closing that would normally be an in-person closing that would take an hour or two hours down to five minutes. And, and so we're already there from the hybrid closing. You know, the challenge with, with uh, a full electronic closing or some investors accept it, some recording offices accept it, some don't. I, I think this environment is going to force full electronic closings on the industry. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, what we, we've got a project team that's prepared for that. Uh, and it's a little bit like uh, remote online notary, you know, some investors accept it and some don't. And so it, it's a challenge in the industry because they, they all need to do it because you, many times as a mortgage banker, you don't know where that loan's going. And, and so you gotta, you can't identify the investor before it closes to determine whether they'll accept or on or not. So, but I, I think the, the industry is gonna be forced into that for sure. Yeah, and I think for folks who wonder like, well, why hasn't it been happened now? And a lot of it was a residual from the last recession where when the foreclosures were happening, one of the common defenses folks would throw up is like, show me my original note right. mortgage document. I signed. Yeah, without so a doubt. I mean, 
there was some fear built in from that secondary loan market that would have to enforce mortgage at some point potentially of accepting these electronic versions. But I think you're right. I think this crisis will uh, force some of that to kind of come to a head just from a health standpoint, just to be able to close like you and I are talking on a Zoom call right now, which is pretty amazing. Absolutely. I'm in complete agreement. Yeah, so, so, so something out there for everyone to kind of look forward to. And again, right now we can do it for every one of our sellers and, and for our buyers more and more will come. But in the meantime, you know, to Tim's point, we can go to the high closing where you're just really only having to come in to sign a very few number of documents. The rest can all be signed electronically, which is a, a great first step. Yeah. Alex, uh, you want to throw out any of the uh, questions that came in from the chat or others that you received ahead of time? Well, evidently you two are like Nostradamus here. You, you've hit every question <laughs> that's come in so far. The last one that we hadn't hit was about the remote online closings and where we thought that was headed and what the future of that looked like as far as PHM. And I think you guys just hit that one. So um, maybe people have been being polite here and listening, but I'll, I'll open it up here because Be Becky's monitoring as well. If, if you guys have some specific questions that Tim and Chris haven't hit on yet, um, please shoot them in to us here. And I'm looking back to, to the other ones that um, we had had. And I think we've, we've hit a lot of these. Um, forbearance we talked about uh tim you kind of covered how that's easing up a little bit now that they're giving the the servicing yeah. side a little bit of room didn't you yeah i did yeah yeah forbearance is definitely you know they've they've capped the liability and that's opened the market up and liquidity up pretty su substantially so i i think the last you know the main question i wish i could have answered it today that's why i called the executive at fannie mae yesterday that i i think we'll be able to answer the impact of a forbearance purchasing a new home within the next week. They, they've committed to me that they'll have something out by next week. So as soon as I get it, I'll get it out to everyone immediately. Okay. One of the ones that had come in, Tim, they, they just asked, you know, you, you talked about the strength of our company, especially pre-COVID and how we were kind of built for this working remotely, uh, doing digital where, where do you, and I know we've had some conversation internally, so I kind of know the answer here, but I think it'd be good for the agents to hear. Where do you see us coming out of this here in the next 60 to 90 days? Would you say we'll be positioned same as we were going in or possibly even stronger coming out of this than, than when we entered it? Well, I, I would say, I think the bigger impact is going to be on our real estate partners. I think they're going to come. You know, one thing that this environment is going to prove out, and I hate that it had to prove it out this way, but I knew it was just going to take a, re, a mild recession to, to make this happen, is the, the, the real estate disruptors have really been hurt by this environment. I mean, they, they, they never made money, uh, so they were using what I would consider free Wall Street money that, that was unlimited. And now the, all that's gone. I mean, it, it, a lot of that was, uh, was funded through Sun uh, Real Estate Trust and, and hedge funds. And, and they, you know, they, they took, they got killed on WeWorks and Uber and others. And so they've made a commitment that if you're not profitable, they're not putting any more money into you. And, and they were the big disruptor. I mean, that, they were the money behind the disruptor. So 
the eye buyers that were out there, the, 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 the open doors, the red fins, the Zillows, you know, they quit buying homes and, and they're going to take huge hits on the ones they bought. So I, I think they're coming out uh, mortally wounded. And, and I, I would say you, you guys know the other disruptors. They're, they're real estate companies that, that never made any money. And, and I think they're going to get hurt by this. I mean, we came into this thing and I'm talking about a real estate partner with a proven model that's been around for decades. And, and we added good technology to that. And I mean, I think the big winner in all this, if, if you could say there's a winner, I mean, again, I hate to phrase it that way, but it's going to prove that the traditional real estate model is the one that, that is going to be the survivor. And so, so I'm, Prosperity went into this incredibly strong with really not a lot of disruption into our model. Our real estate partners, I've been watching over the years as there's been one disruptor after another that never had to make any money that, that uh, I knew didn't have the staying power, but there was way too much money chasing too few a deal. So they had unlimited funding. That's over. And they, they really have three options. And one is to get more money from Wall Street, and that's, they're not going to get it. I mean, that's a done deal. They're, they're dead in that perspective. Uh, the other one is to go IPO, and, and I can assure you none of them can do that because then they got to show their financials and what happened to WeWork, what happened to every one of them. And, and the third is they got to start making money. And uh, their cash burn right now, if you look at many of them, they didn't have mortgage companies. They didn't have title companies. Uh, they, they didn't have any other affiliated business. So, you know, real estate took some hits on this and, and those, what I'd call disruptor upstarts got hit the worst. So their cash burn is incredibly high right now, uh, at a time when they can't raise more cash. So I, I, I just feel like our real estate partners are going to come out stronger than ever. Yeah. You know, one of the things we talked early on is, in, in, and obviously in the North Texas market, we have every disruptor that you can possibly think of because we have a growing city, pro-business, and, you know, affordable housing. So we we're very attractive for that market. But within, I think it was by day four of the health crisis, so we're talking, you know, mid-March at this point, every single iBuyer had retracted from our market, you know, four days into this crisis. They had abandoned, you know, the consumers of North Texas. And so, you know, we used Warren Buffett's line that I really like was when, you know, when the tide goes out, you find out who's been swimming naked. Um, and that has certainly revealed uh, who was swimming without trunks around here for a while. And, and so um, they'll come sauntering back into town or they'll try to come sauntering back into town. And, and we've, we've done our best to try to remind the consumers of who stood with them. And it's everybody that's on this call right now. Um, we figured out a way to mask up, glove up and be safe and continue to help, you know, home buyers and sellers across Texas when, you know, a lot of other people viewed them as a financial risk, so they ran away. And so uh, your point is well taken, Tim. Okay. Well, Chris, I think it's a testament to you've shared a lot of the stats that e even in North Texas, you know, DFW market and the decreases that, that we saw through April and, and into early May, the, the Ebby family was, was way outpacing those in a good way for, from the beginning through this entire thing, right? Yeah, and you know, and, and really what we shared with our leadership team uh, this past week was if, if you wanna know why our business model is so critically important, um, this is why. I mean, the reason that we have uh, mortgage title and insurance is one, we wanna, the very, very main reason is we wanna make the lives of our consumers and agents easier to get a deal done, to get it across the finish line by one family working together on it. And then two, 
when we have uh, go through any type of market, good or bad, um, the ability to have revenue, multiple revenue lines off any transaction creates strength and stability that a brokerage without that just simply doesn't have. And so um, it's really been highlighted in the month of April for sure. Great. Uh, Tim, a question came in. You mentioned the tightening in the jumbo market. Uh, the, the question is, any advice we should be sharing with our jumbo purchase clients? I, I think you had touched on jumbo money is still there. Yeah, um, it is. It, it, it might have tightened a little bit, but but there's still plenty of resources there for jumbo purchase, correct? Well, it's, it's there and the rates are actually still very attractive. They, the, yeah. Where it's really changed is the credit score requirements uh, are more stringent. I mean, they're looking typically for 700 plus and the, the down payment where you had a 90 a month ago is really more in the 80 uh, range. So it's really tightened up around LTV. Now, typically that client is a lower LTV client anyway. So, uh, you know, it just tightened up really around the edges. I mean, we've got four investors that are still buying and we're still doing a lot of them, but it is, it, it is tightened up again around the edges, I would say, but still very attractive rates. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and we've seen that same thing here. And I, I think the only thing I'd add to share with everybody is, and, and this doesn't go just for jumbo loans. Uh, this is everything across the board right now. One of the big things that Fannie's looking for is reserves. So we're, we're having a lot of conversations with clients around that, that they have retirement accounts or additional reserves. That, that's a big safety net on these in addition to credit and down payment because it shows their ability to repay down the road. So we're, we're keeping an eye on that too. Um, you mentioned uh, down payment assistance, bond loans. We might be seeing a thawing out in that market coming soon. Yeah, I, I think in the next week, you'll see us start bringing many of those back and, and lowering our score to those in the 640 range uh, from 660. So, and, and I think ultimately that'll probably get to 620. Uh, in, in the next step. But uh, yeah, you're going to see those, you know, those are important products to us. I mean, that those are really uh, very important for the underserved. We, we, we get a lot of, uh, you know, uh, minority type product out of with, with that. And, and it's important. I mean, we've got to keep the underserved markets uh, continually driving because there's a lot of opportunity there. And, and those are some great products. They've got down payment assistance that in many cases that are forgiven. Uh, but that tightened up really quickly, and, and it really was around lack of transparency. The servicers of those loans weren't willing to commit that if, if the borrower went into forbearance between the day it closed and the day the loan was delivered, and those take longer to deliver, those take 30 to 45 days, they weren't committed to, to buying that loan. And, and now they've clarified that, they've created protection for, for the lender, and uh, that's why you're going to see those start to open up some. I think you touched on this a little bit earlier as well, but just to, to rehash here, because two questions came in about it. You, you're not anticipating the uh, vast amount of foreclosures that we had in the 0809 range this round, are you? Because primarily of the way they've handled this from a forbearance standpoint and helping borrowers to, to maybe skip a payment or two, is that accurate? Well, I would say I expect delinquencies and foreclosures to increase, but you, you just got to, 
keep in mind, they're increasing from a, a, an incredibly low level. And, uh, but, but the forbearance was a great tool. I, I mean, it really, it, it'll buy folks up to a year. So it really boils down to, will the economy bounce back? If it doesn't bounce back 100% within that year, there's going to be more delinquencies and foreclosures, or the feds are gonna to have to step in and extend forbearance. Now, again, I, I would tell you, we're talking to the feds at the task force level. You know, Mnuchin was a, a mortgage banking guy. He, he was very active in the 08, 09 marketplace. He knows exactly what to do. They were much smarter this time at how they rolled this out. Uh, so I expect far less disruption than you saw in 08, 09. And I mean, way less disruption. But it, it, I mean, we've been at historic lows in, in both delinquencies and foreclosures. So I fully expect them to go up from there. But even if they went up four times where we're at, it's still a small number compared to the 08, 09 uh, environment. Gotcha. Well, Becky has told me we've, we've hit all the questions that have come in. Uh, we'll maybe give it just a couple seconds here if anybody has any, any final ones to pop in there. Or, um, Chris, I don't know if there's anything you wanted us to. Well, no, I'll just, I'll just wrap up by Tim. Uh, just thank you to you and your team. And I should say we've talked about the mortgage consultants, but I also want to make sure that we recognize um, everyone in the back room here, both locally here in Texas and then nationally as well, because uh, we know there's a lot of magic that happens in that back room and our agents and our clients may never meet, maybe they've never seen and they never talk to those the processors and everyone else that, that really kind of gets the loan across the finishing line. So thank you to, to those teams and Tim, thank you to you and your leadership team for uh, helping us navigate the last two months. It's been greatly appreciated and we're excited for uh, the opportunities that lie ahead for the rest of 2020. All right, Chris, Alex, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity and thanks for everyone that attended. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Right. Thank you, guys. You. Appreciate thank it. You. Take care. <laughs>